I don't really know what that is and what the difference between that is and the kilobyte per second compression on MP3s or whatever. God, we we have no idea what it is that we do, do we? <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> I just know I just know when low number equals bad and high number equals good or the reverse is sometimes true. <laughs> I can't think of an instance, but what when high, when, high, when high number is good and low number is bad? No. Low number is mostly always bad, mm-hmm. but sometimes low number might mean good. But like I said, I, I can't think of an instance, but I, I when it comes up, my brain knows. Well, uh, not this business specifically, but golf is one instance. That's true. Maybe the most famous. Maybe. Maybe. Low number equal bad in golf. Or no, low number equal good number in golf. I'm getting good. confused now. <laughs> <laughs> That's because high number is mostly always good. That's true. That's true. When talking audio or most other sports besides <laughs> golf. <laughs> Are you ready to get going? Yeah, I think so. All right. Welcome to Hugging No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about the Diplomats Club, season six, episode 21. But before that, we did have, we didn't have any homework from last week's episode, right? I don't think so. I I think we uh, yeah. I think we answered pretty much everything in the the episode, including uh, did Patrick <laughs> Warburton and H. John Benjamin ever have a scene together? And they they did. Yes, and we we listened to it in the middle of the episode last week, <laughs> which I didn't go back and listen to. I wanted to hear how you inserted that, but I instead I, the only thing I went back and listened to was. <laughs> As a wall capone high and step to the edge, to the edge. That was great. I, I don't know. That, that was that was an accidental masterpiece. I, yeah, I listened to it about thirty times. I like rewound it. I, I was like, "That is amazing." Did, did Did you play it for Sarah? Did she have any reaction to it? No, I haven't. I should do that. <laughs> she, she's gonna be like, "You guys are so stupid." <laughs> well, if you want to hear about something stupid. Let me start. Let me let me start there because, uh, as you know, I spent a good deal of that that sprung from our conversation about Collective Soul by way of the CD that came with the first issue of Maxim, and I took the trouble to recreate said CD in Spotify with a playlist, and I couldn't believe no one had ever done that. I searched like Maxim CD, and no one had recreated "Chill Out" with the Class of '97 as the CD was called. <laughs> As a playlist, I really was kind of shocked. <laughs> I can't believe you took the time I'm, to do this. <laughs> and so I searched, and every single song except one is on Spotify. Throwing Muses, for some reason, uh, has decided their music is, or, or this specific song <laughs> that was on this Maxim CD called Freeloader is too good for, for Spotify. And so uh, that is not on. There's plenty of other Throwing Muses songs, but not. The song called Freeloader. So that's the only one missing. But if you, so I tweeted the link to it and, uh, and I listened to it on the way home and I was like, I can't wait to see what memories this evokes. And really, I came up dry. Like the well really? is pretty dry. Oh, as wow. as, yeah. for, for the song or like for, most of the time, music back for the playlist as a whole or for the song? For any, yeah, for the, for the whole playlist. I was oh, like, wow. all right, here we go. And like, I, for sure, I remembered all the songs, but they didn't evoke, like a lot of times, I'll go like, oh, I remember exactly where I was. And all I can really think of is that one school trip that I bought the Maxim magazine for and listened to CD on the on the way up. Uh, <laughs> so it really but I remember listening to that CD a ton, but I don't have any memories associated with it. But it's still pretty awesome. So, you know, <laughs> go to our uh, Twitter account and, and find that link. If you have Spotify, if you want to listen to uh, a bunch of 
random songs that Max them through together to try to get people to buy this, their first issue with Krista Miller on the cover. Man, who would have known that Throwing Muses would have an exclusive title contract? Yeah, I know. And there's and there's lots of other Throwing Muses <laughs> on there, but not anything from this one album. And actually, they're still pretty active because there was lots of stuff from 2020 oh, on God. there. So I hadn't, I hadn't, again, I hadn't thought of Throwing Muses in a million years, but they're still... Still putting stuff out there. Pretty sure you and yeah, everyone have, else. Yeah, they have a song. Uh, they have an uh, EP called Frosting that came out in 2020. <laughs> and before that, I think their most recent one was 2013. So yeah, they took a little seven-year hiatus there. But throwing muses is back in a big way, everyone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we so, but we did have some other trivia and interesting tidbits from the uh, previous episode, which uh, was the few silly Jerry. The writers intended for David Putty to be a straight man foil to Elaine, but they rewrote him to be a humorous character because of how funny Patrick Warburton was in his audition. So I like that, that Patrick Warburton, I mean, he really is Putty. You know, I mean, no no one else could have done that role the way he did. And I think that's proof right there that they were like, oh, let's just cast this great comic comic actor and totally revamp the idea we had for this character. Uh, The sequence where... Frank Costanza falls on Fusilli Jerry at the end of the episode required numerous takes with Jerry Stiller <laughs> making a different vocalization of pain on each take. And throughout the scene, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who played Elaine, of course, uh, had to dig her fingernails into her skin to keep from breaking out into laughter at Stiller's vocalizations and his performance. And supposedly you can see her doing this in the finished episode when Stiller first comes in. <laughs> and it seems like nobody broke more when... Uh, Jerry Stiller was around then Julia Louis-Dreyfus I think there was there was that one clip of that of Jerry Stiller just cracking everybody up on set when he passed away that where Julia is like he's yelling at Julia you want a piece of me and she's laughing like harder than everybody <laughs> it seems like she in particular out of everybody got a kick out of him what uh did, did it say like, like what some of his different vocalizations were in the in the takes that didn't make the cut no, I'm guessing they're probably on a blooper reel or a DVD somewhere. But yeah, I can't even remember the one he ended up with. Um, I did find... So this, this is from IMDb. This is the only place I could find any reference to something I noticed. I didn't notice Julie Louis-Dreyfus digging her fingernails into her arm, but that sounds uh, great. I, I do want to go back and check that out. But toward the end of the episode, Frank falls on Fusilli Jerry, and it gets lodged, presumably, in his backside. In the shot right after he falls, Jerry is seen holding the sculpture's base, which is supposedly lodged inside Frank. And I was like, that's a jump cut because he's not holding it. He is holding it. And supposedly there's deleted scenes out there that show him picking up the base first. But I, And I suspected that was the case, but I that's the only reference I could find to those was this, this random uh, goof or trivia on IMDb. I, I can't say for sure whether there is uh, any actual scene where Jerry reaches down and and breaks off the base, I guess, which seems kind of mean. <laughs> Break, breaks it off inside of him. It really? That's what he had, would have had to have done. And I, I did find this little goof hilarious. I found it on the same page at IMDb. When Jerry reveals the move to George, he asks him about the height differential because he says a more than one foot differential in their heights could really hurt his neck. And someone noticed that Putty is more than a foot taller than Elaine, so they shouldn't be able to do the move right anyway. Oh. <laughs> Oh my I god, I never even thought of that. <laughs> I know, I love that. <laughs> and I think that's pretty much all I have as far as trivia and, and random stuff from the last episode. All right. Is, is there any is there any news that we need to cover? I don't think so. There's no there's no new deaths. 
No, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> Yet. We've I mean, we're, a week without we're, offing anybody. We're recording this on Wednesday, and it comes out this coming Sunday. So, fingers crossed, <laughs> I guess. Uh, watch, watch yeah. uh, Michael Richards drop dead Friday night. Yeah, or Patrick Warburton. Yeah. N- now that we've said it, now that we've put it out into the universe, it's going to happen. <laughs> Um, but okay, That's true. Uh, we did receive some stuff in Newman's mail sack that we will get into at the right. end of the show. Uh, but if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research heavy show. We like to have our questions pop up in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves as though we're giving ourselves homework for the next week. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet at no hugging on Twitter or no hugging, no learning show at gmail.com. Both of those links are are in the description or in the show description page on Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts, and we will send you a no-hugging, no-learning sticker free of charge. Just send us your mailing address. Uh, like Christina. I got to send Christina's out from a couple of weeks. I read her uh, her email. So if you want a sticker, please get us your, your email or your review in the next couple of days because I'll, I'll send it out. And I would like to go to the post office with more than a single envelope, <laughs> but I, I will I will drop those off. I'll get those out in the mail ASAP. If you use anything other than Apple Podcasts, you can still give us a rating. Just also send us a screenshot because we can really only see the Apple Podcasts ones. Um, that being said, Season 6, Episode 21, The Diplomats Club, original air date May 4th, 1995. I was two years, four months, and 14 days old. And Tim, if you count this episode and every other episode we have left, we have 69 episodes until we become a totally not jokey, completely serious countdown of the funniest numbers ever. <laughs> yeah, good. It'll be because a, of sixty nine. Exactly. Yes. It'll it'll be. Uh, I'm guessing two episodes long. Uh, I, I'm guessing uh, the number four twenty will be number two, and the number sixty nine has mm. got to be number one, right? Yeah. I mean, there's no other. I mean, number two is kind of funny. I think that should be number three. Like number two and number one mm. should be three and four because they refer to like bathroom. That's true. That's bathroom humor. I mean, that's that's true. It's not hilarious, but do yeah, we, we, we got to stretch the podcast. Do we want to throw in the number uh, six hundred and sixty-six? So, so maybe we can get like five episodes out of this thing. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of funny. Okay. Hmm. So, okay, we're at four episodes. I don't know what number five would be. No, we're, that's that's five because two and one can be two different episodes. Number two today we're talking about number two. Next week we'll talk about number one. <laughs> This week, on the, six, this, six, this, six, this, like, this week on the yeah. countdown at number three, it's number two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. This is the worst idea for a show I think we've had yet. <laughs> Actually, that would be really interesting. Like, I would listen to that, like, like an NPR-style deep dive into, you know, like, really the entomology of 69 or 420 and the history of that or the history of why we say going to the bathroom is number two or number one you know or, or why the market I, I would totally listen to that for, by some by people smarter than ourselves <laughs> we, we, we need to pull on all of our contacts and get ira glass on the phone <laughs> yeah I, I'm, I'm somehow sure, i'm sure i'm sure uh uh sarah koenig can take a break from the upcoming season of cereal to do this right <laughs> Yeah. Serial numbers. Oh my gosh, that that's something. Serial <laughs> numbers. Oh my god. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it so much. 
Uh, okay, so if you're looking at TV Guide the night of May 4th, 1995, you are going to see Jerry's plans to meet a gorgeous model for an airport rendezvous are derailed. Interesting. I kind of like it. We'll see at the end if we can make it any better. Uh, we start with a stand-up bit, as usual, and this is about how there are these airline clubs. Maybe this was a new concept in the 90s, though, but they've been around pretty much as long as I remember taking flights. These sort of airline clubs where you can pay this subscription fee, or now you can pay a one-time fee if you want to just go in and, and if you have a long layover. But Jerry compares them to basically it's like taking the flight. You're sitting in this chair, you know, like uh, eating peanuts. It's basically just the same thing as the flight. Um and also, he's like, how about an all-my-luggage club? Can I join that? Uh, and that gets a big applause break, which is kind of interesting because we don't have a lot of time. They must have needed to stretch. And like, we don't have a lot of time in these stand-up bits. And they <laughs> paused for applause from the fake audience. Yeah, it was, it was kind of long. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, I guess we're, I guess we're stretching. Like, like, normally, they rush through these. But that one g- gave Jerry a little chance to relax for a second. Yeah, I, I thought he was done. And then he just transitions into the next bit. I'm like, oh, it's, <laughs> it's still going. Yeah, which was a little line. Again, I remember this one as a longer segment of Jerry's classic original hour uh, about the the first class curtain and the look that the you know the the curtain between first class and coach and the look that the stewardess gives you before she closes it. Like maybe if you tried a little harder or something <laughs> like that. Uh, and I don't think it landed as well as it it normally did. Um, and maybe because he was had to rush through it because the the fake audience had to applaud. I don't know why. <laughs> By the way, I might as well start with that. My sister loves these. She flies a lot, or she did, I guess. Um, and she loves these little airline clubs. She'll pay that one-time fee, whatever it is, like fifty bucks. You know, if you got like a, a you know, three or four-hour layover, it really does become worth the money to get good Wi-Fi. And now they even they've made them a lot better. They made them kind of worth the money. I think you know they. I think some of them maybe even have alcohol in there. You Ooh. might be able to even get like a cocktail or two. Okay, but like, is it is it free and, if you pay the one-time fee? Uh, yeah, I think I think everything in there is free. Again, I I don't know. I've I've never been in one or paid the one time fee, but I know my dad was also like a, a frequent traveler, uh, and he he probably had like the membership or whatever because he traveled so much, and that might have been through work. I don't know, but um, yeah, he really dug them, and my sister would would make good use of them. Um, I like I remember one time she flew from oh San Francisco to Erie, and she had like a six hour layover, or something insane in Philadelphia. Jeez. That was as close as she could get. Yeah, she had to like fly to Philadelphia and then fly to Erie or something like that. And so she had like a long flight. So she sets up her laptop. She'll work or watch a movie and just enjoy, you know, sitting in a comfortable quiet. I think that's what most people like about it. It's quiet. You know, you're not dealing with the riffraff in there. <laughs> not dealing with the riffraff the, like me. The, not dealing with the airport riffraff. Yeah. <laughs> so we open in Jerry's apartment and he is setting up a meeting with the supermodel that we heard about in the uh, synopsis and her name is Bridget and they're going to meet in an airport after his show in Ithaca and let me just stop right here and say what a weird what a weird concept this is like why so close is Ithaca I looked it up and Ithaca is about a four hour drive from New York City just putting in New York City to Ithaca <laughs> city center to city center it's like three hours and 50 minutes okay um, and the fastest flight you can get right now is four and a half hours So it's longer to fly, and you have to connect in Charlotte. You have to go (laughs) south to Charlotte and then back up to Ithaca. Why would? And it takes four and a half hours to do what you could do in less than four hours. Why wouldn't you just drive? You're right. (laughs) Yeah, and all the other flights are sixteen plus hours with two stops because you you, like have to go to. 
you fly from like New York City to Dallas and then up to Detroit and then over to Ithaca or something weird like that. And, and, it, and you've got layovers like I guess if you really want to enjoy the Diplomats Club, that's you should definitely fly from New York City to Ithaca because it'll take you a day and a half. <laughs> that 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 reminds uh, me of like our our flight back from the honeymoon. It took us about we were in airports for about a day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, flying really isn't worth it when you get down to it. It it really is the worst, and and it's airlines that have made it the worst way to travel. Yeah. Well, I mean, mean, it it wasn't bad. We we didn't mind it, but like we left, we flew out of Palm Springs at like we caught our flight at like seven, uh, connected in Phoenix at like one in the morning. We caught a red eye, landed in Charlotte, and our flight was at like eight, and then we. Uh, got back into Erie at like I don't know four I think mm-hmm. and, and I mean th- there was crazy there was a lot yeah. of layovers in between there yeah getting back from you you were at were you in California no Florida no we were we Palm, were Palm we, Springs is in California yeah Palm Springs is California yeah so that's that's pretty miserable especially if you're trying to get to a smaller hub like Erie or something like that which I, I mean hub is probably the wrong word just small airport <laughs> like Erie or something like that I mean honestly I didn't mind it just because we didn't have to deal with uh, the Pittsburgh airport and we didn't have to deal with LAX I, I would do it all again mm-hmm. if I didn't have to deal with LAX Mm-hmm. It just boggled my and and here's why I wrote down is Jerry flying private because he's doing a show in Ithaca and that's why he's he's flying out and flying back on the exact same day and he's meeting this supermodel in the airport I guess when he gets back. Um, meanwhile, Elaine is quitting her job working for Mr. Pitt and she is going to march in there and tell him that she quits. By the way, here's where I noticed the Superman is on the bookshelf and the fridge where ah. he's pretty much been for all of season six, but still tracking it. Still going to mention it every mm-hmm. time. Uh, <laughs> George comes in and he wants Jerry's to borrow Jerry's camera so he can put his boss's picture on his desk to save himself during some restructuring that's going to be happening. Uh, and I like Jerry's like, isn't that a little transparent? And George is like, it better be. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just wants to make it abundantly clear. <laughs> yeah, that he is kissing ass. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he would take a photo of his lips on his hole if possible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, over at Mr. Pitt's, Elaine does march in, and before she can get a word out that she is quitting, Pitt informs her that he has written her into his will because she has been such a great help. He wants to make sure that she's taken care of when he is gone. And Elaine is touched and he feels a little cold coming on, so he asks her to get some cold medicine, and Elaine reminds him that he's taking heart medicine, and he has to ask the pharmacy before mixing any medications like that. Um, so, you know, she really does, you know, help him out and know about uh, his uh, his situation and stuff like that. Absolutely, yeah. And over at Yankee Stadium, George is uh, getting his picture with Mr. Morgan with a classic Polaroid camera. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And uh, he remarks that Mr. Morgan, who, by the way, is head of table guy. This may be the first time we've gotten his name because up until this point, he's been head of table guy. (laughs) Yeah. So sometimes, so like George had a different supervisor a couple episodes ago, didn't he? Like this other guy, um, like the bald guy, right? Like what episode was that? And we've taken so many weird little breaks. Oh, yeah. During um, it was the. Was it the Jimmy when he's like sweating through everything? Um, yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, did we ever get yeah. his name? I don't think so. 
Um, I, I want to say that he's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I want to say that he did say it, but I, I can't look through my notes right now and figure out what it was. George is eating. Oh, Wilhelm. That's right. Mr. Wilhelm. Wilhelm. Yeah, yeah. So my guess is like Wilhelm is Mr. Morgan's boss and George's boss, but Mr. Morgan is like maybe George's direct supervisor or something like that. Maybe, maybe. I mean, That's we the have, way I see the power structure. True. We have seen him more. Maybe Wilhelm comes in whenever there's like a serious offense, like stealing things from the team. Yeah. And so <laughs> George is getting his picture with head of table guy, Mr. Morgan, and he tells him that he looks like Sugar Ray Leonard. Which, which George for thinks some reason, is a legitimate yeah. compliment. <laughs> Yeah, and I I do think he looks like Sugar Ray Leonard. Do you think he looks like Sugar Ray Leonard? I I wouldn't know what Sugar Ray Leonard looked like if you showed me a picture of him. I would have loved if you just went, no, he looks nothing like Mark McGrath. What are you talking about? No, that's Ted. That's Sugar Ray. That's Sugar Ray Leonard. <laughs> well, just, just do a quick uh, Google image search for Sugar Ray Leonard right now. God, I, I think you're going to see that he looks a lot like Mr. Morgan. I hope Leonard from the Big Bang Theory with a guitar comes up. <laughs> yeah, Mark McGrath and Leonard. <laughs> Mark McGrath and Jim Parsons. Is that Jim Parsons or is that? I forget. I've never no, seen No, it's show. Uh, uh, Johnny Galecki. Johnny Galecki, okay. <laughs> um, I, I guess he... he eh, kind of does? Not, uh, not really. Yeah, okay. I, I, May- I'll maybe that kind of. Uh, I mean, what did Mr. Morgan have a mustache? I don't think so. Okay, uh, he definitely did have like thick eyebrows though, and Sugar Ray Leonard does not. So maybe, maybe if that's Sugar- true. Maybe Sugar Ray Leonard's eyebrows were a little thicker. Uh, maybe I could see it, but I, I don't know. In his younger days, I, I'm any like vintage picture of Sugar Ray Leonard. He does have s- somewhat bushier eyebrows. Um, and I think he really, I think he really resembles Mr. Morgan in those shots. <laughs> if anything, he looks like a young Sugar Ray Leonard, which I think is even more of a compliment. You look like a young Sugar Ray Leonard. <laughs> which I think George should have said this to begin with, because that's more of a compliment, especially in this situation. Then you're saying, hey, you look like this guy. You remind me of this guy, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Have I, you ever I feel told like someone you, they look like a celebrity and they take it? The Poorly. wrong way? Uh, no, I haven't. Yeah. But, but but I feel like if George would have added that qualifier in, it wouldn't have been so like, I don't know. I, I see you as being all one person type of feeling, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I've never told anyone. like No one ever thinks that people look like the celebrity that I think they look like. I've, I've told people several times. <laughs> I'm like, you know, oh, you look like blah, blah, blah. Or I'll always tell Sarah, like, you know who they look like? Blah, blah, blah. And Sarah will go like, no, no way. Uh, or just anybody, I'll, I'll do that. And people never think they look like that anyone looks like the celebrity I think people look like but i there's this woman there's this uh this person i went to high school with and she looked like sandra bullock but i i, I never told her this but she thought sandra bullock was not attractive what she was like i was i don't know i don't know how it, it, it came up sort of like not uh, under the context that she looked like sandra bullock but i was like oh she looks like sandra bullock um but later on it came out some for some reason i remember knowing that she thought sandra bullock was not attractive uh, or like a you know a very good looking movie okay. star or something. Okay, sure. Yeah. So I never told her that she looked like Sandra Bullock because of that. You you didn't want to turn it into an insult. 
Yeah, exactly. You look like Sandra Bullock. Ugh, ugly. Ugh. That's what I'm trying to say. Can, can you can you believe her? She looks like Sandra Bullock. <laughs> you can say anything like an insult that doesn't make it true. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that though. Oh, she looks like Sandra Bullock. Gross. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> um, but so, Mr. Mr. Morgan does take it the wrong way because he turns it around on George like, oh, I guess we all look alike to you, right, Costanza? And George uh, and he, George runs into the problem. Once again, I am George because no one will back George up. Even if they think he looks like Sugar Ray Leonard, no one will you know, now go to bat for George because Mr. Morgan obviously doesn't, doesn't think the comment is true or doesn't like it. So no one will back up George and say that he looks like Sugar Ray Leonard. <laughs> and, and everyone just leaves. They all just leave the office. <laughs> Yeah, literally just like, yeah, leave him <laughs> drifting. Um, over at Monks, George and Jerry are talking about the whole situation. And George, you know, is like, George can't believe that anyone would think he has, uh, you know, a racial bias. And this was this exchange was hilarious. I would have marched on Selma if it was in Long Island. Oh, my <laughs> and God. And so here's... Uh, so, yeah, that was funny. But Jerry follows it up with, oh, so you would have marched on Great Neck. And George says, yes, definitely. Those girls would never date me. Do you understand any of that? No, I just chalked it up to being like regional New York City humor. Yeah, I guess it I guess it is. I, it must be a college or something. I'll, I'll write it down. And I don't understand why they would have been marching on it. Why Great Neck and Selma are the same. Maybe there was some sort of racial you know, clash there or something. I, I don't know. But it was still obviously super timely in 95 to mention it, you know? I I guess, or maybe it wasn't, and that's just Jerry. Ma- ma- yeah, ma- just one of Jerry's ancient references. Yeah, ma- maybe it's something that happened in 1948. Yeah, or knowing Jerry like Civil War time. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if we look it up and it's like, oh, this is from the 1800s. <laughs> and Kramer comes in. He's taking Jerry to the airport, and Jerry's just traveling with a pen and a pad. He doesn't have any luggage or anything like that because he's just going for the day. He does need to stop at uh, uh, the store to get a toothbrush on the way. And Kramer doesn't agree with George that Mr. Morgan, because George has the Polaroid, that Mr. Morgan looks like Sugar Ray Leonard. George bets that two out of the, if they ask three people, two of them will say he looks like Sugar Ray Leonard. And Kramer is all about it because he really wants to wager, but Jerry won't let Kramer gamble because of his gambling problem. (laughs) He hasn't placed a bet in three years. And I love this line. George is like, you know, I got to convince George does what every uh, woke liberal would do in this situation. Go, I got to get my black friends to vouch for me. And (laughs) I love this line, though, is that Jerry's like, well, you don't. The only problem is you don't have any black friends. And outside of us, you don't have any white friends. (laughs) That was that was perfect. Oh, my God. Such a sick burn. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That was so funny. Uh, so, so George goes on a mission. Now he goes to Buzz at Joe's apartment. Buzz is up to Joe's apartment, and Joe is the guy that he watched Breakfast at Tiffany's with because he had rented the movie. George stole his address from the video store and Pat Oswald, and he's like, "Hey, remember me? I got another Audrey Hepburn movie, and I got some popcorn. Why don't I come up and we'll watch it?" Uh, Remy, his daughter, comes in in the meantime, and George tries to like kind of you know sneak in with her up to the apartment but they slam the door in his face and, and so uh no friend there and this is the first guy that george thought of <laughs> yeah yeah hey, jo- joe his is closest. joe is the first 
African American man that George thought of that, hey, yeah, we're friends. This guy that he basically just bombarded into his apartment and pled yeah. to watch a movie with him and his daughter. Yeah, stalked him and then ruined his couch with grape juice. <laughs> that's right. Pushing that's him, right. Push, uh, physically assaulting his daughter. <laughs> that, 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 Remember, he was trying to push her out of the seat next to the table. That's right. That's his best friend. That, that's that's his that's his best <laughs> yeah, friend of color. It's a good friend. Uh, <laughs> so over at Rappaport Pharmacy, which is still there, actually. Oh. It is. Uh, it was at, yeah, 609 Columbus Avenue. It's now a Dwayne Reed, just like every pharmacy up in New York City, I guess, eventually becomes uh, a Dwayne Reed. It's so weird that, I, I think I'm saying that right, too. I don't know whether it's Dwayne Reed or Dwayne, Dwayne Reedy, because it does have an E at the end. Um, but it's just like such a distinctly New York City thing. I've never seen a Dwayne Reed out of, out of, out when I haven't been in New York City. It's just the... They've like, you know what, we don't need to expand any more besides right here. That's true. Uh, is it um is it like a big chain or is it just like a small like pharmacy chain? Yeah, I think it's a small like just New York City pharmacy chain. I'll tell you, I'll I'll, hmm. I'll, I'll well, do I need to write it down because it doesn't really have anything to do with the I'll nah. write it down. What the hell? Uh, we, right. we didn't have any homework last week. <laughs> uh, we'll try to find out if Dwayne Reed is outside of the city because it really is just like the pharmacy you go to if you need Something similar to like a CVS or a yeah. Walgreens I or mean, a Rite Aid. Like, I don't know if they have any of those. I think they just have Dwayne Reed. Maybe. I mean, hey, we have listeners in New York City. So if you hear this, please tell us, are there pharmacies aside from Dwayne Reed? Or <laughs> or is it Dwayne Reedy, as as Tim may, may think? Who knows? Yeah. It's, it's just I've never seen one anywhere except in New York City. And I, I think New Yorkers like having that proprietary... <laughs> Pharmacy, you like, know, yeah, convenience we, store, whatever, we, whatever the pharmacies are these days. We have Dwayne Reed and Philadelphia doesn't. Yeah, it may be the case. Jerry is in a shirt and tie and he's cleaning up. Uh, Kramer like knocks over a display as he is wont to do. And Jerry's in a, in a shirt and tie. He's in his, his show wear already and he's cleaning up. He has like a pen behind his ear and stuff. And and Kramer exits you know jerry kind of like kicks him out of the store he's like get out just bring the car around i've just got to get my toothbrush and then um and it's important that kramer leaves because he would have recognized mr pitt who walks in oh that's uh, right so yeah so it, you know that would have negated this in the entire plot of this episode basically or one of them anyway and so kramer leaves mr pitt comes in and he assumes the way jerry looks that he works for the pharmacy and jerry just kind of thinks he's a guy asking him questions you know like it's just a, an exchange between two strangers and ask him about you know cold medicine so i'm on heart medicine what should i take for a runny nose and jerry's like oh any histamine they're right over there <laughs> and he's like oh it's okay right and he's like uh yeah they work great <laughs> you know, jerry's like kind of puzzled i think that this random guy is asking him questions and and uh and mr pitt is also like what about appetite suppressants jerry's like oh yeah i just saw him and they just happen to be on the <laughs> on the shelf next to where Jerry was standing, but it really does come off like a clerk going like, Oh yeah, where? Oh yeah, they're right here. Here you go. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know how Jerry didn't think anything of this. I, I don't know how he thought or I don't know how he didn't think that this random old guy <laughs> thought he was an employee. Yeah, it may just be I think it just came off as like a friendly guy, a friendly old person asking for help. You know, you wouldn't assume like, oh, I, they think I work here. Like old people I think just will ask any old person any old thing. You know? <laughs> yeah, why why would you think I work here? Yeah, I'm not wearing a doctor's coat or anything, but he does he doesn't look like he normally does, you know, in the shirt and tie and stuff. 
uh, over at LaGuardia, which is still there. No. <laughs> <laughs> what? Really? I know. Anytime we see a location, I have to let you know LaGuardia Airport is still there, actually. Tim, unbelievably. Tim, what is the address uh, of LaGuardia? <laughs> One Airport Road, <laughs> NYCN, New York. New York, New York. One zero zero one one. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure it is something like that. <laughs> it used to be a Dwayne Reed, but now it's an airport. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> the it, world's biggest Dwayne Reed. We, weird enough, it used to be a super Walmart. <laughs> yeah. But then, then it, it was closed down for a little bit. Uh, LaGuardia's direction is... Why does it just say Queens, New York? Why don't they give me an actual... There, yeah, there's LaGuardia, no, Queens, New York. There's no actual address. Yeah, no address. Just LaGuardia, <laughs> Queens. I, I guess, I mean... You don't need the address. You know where you're going. <laughs> yeah. But what if I want to send them a letter about how much I like uh, their appearance on Seinfeld? <laughs> Dear LaGuardia Airport. <laughs> I wonder, you probably could just put LaGuardia Queens yeah, and they deliver it. But then where would it go? Where in the airport would it go? <laughs> yeah, there's got to be a front desk of some sort. <laughs> send them a sticker, Ted. Will you send LaGuardia, LaGuardia Queens a sticker? <laughs> I, I will send a sticker to LaGuardia Airport <laughs> and just say, hi, big fan. Loved your work on Seinfeld. Yeah, we love Seinfeld. and We do a podcast and you guys have popped up a couple times. So <laughs> great to see you. I bet there's a Dwayne Reed inside LaGuardia as well. Oh, there's got to be, right? Yeah, got to be. <laughs> uh, and so at the Diplomats Club inside LaGuardia, the titular Diplomats Club, we're finally in there. Um, Jerry meets up with Katie, who is this college tour booker that somehow gets him on these direct flights from New York City to Ithaca. And it's Mrs. Foreman. Yeah, it's Kitty. <laughs> Kitty, not Katie. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so weird because yeah, I, I, think, I think her real name is uh, is Kathleen Joe Rupp. So oh. every, every role that... I have ever seen her in, namely Kitty and Katie. Now <laughs> she's playing some nickname of Kathleen. <laughs> Maybe she's not a good actress, and she just never, uh, never looks when someone like, oh, K- uh, Katie, uh, that's you. Oh, yeah. When I stomp on your foot <laughs> and say hello, Katie, <laughs> you nod and say hello. Um, she, she treats jerry kind of like a child because she thinks he's this big celebrity or she thinks he thinks he's this big celebrity and so she's like they they have coffee here if you want it they're gonna have coffee on the plane as well just like really the dumbest stuff about (laughs) traveling like jerry always hang on someone's knocking on my oh there my wife was just knocking on my office door oh and she picked up a cat outside (laughs) over at pitts elaine shows up and Mr. Pitt is there with a doctor and an estate lawyer. He had collapsed, and he's in bed now. And the estate lawyer is very suspicious of Elaine because, as Mr. Pitt explains, this is the woman that I want written into my will. And Elaine is, is acting kind of weird anyway about having taken the morning off and things like that. Oh, just happens to not be working, given the morning off and, and doing some quote-unquote shopping when Mr. Pitt had collapsed and, and almost died and the day after she'd been written into the will back on the plane katie is still babying jerry about going to the bathroom and stuff like that <laughs> and i i don't know if i mentioned this earlier but i was wondering if like jerry was flying on some sort of private plane because this was a a special show and like maybe they sent him a private jet to go from ithaca to new york city a four-hour you know 
drive that a flight what do you think that flight would be that's one thing i couldn't find a direct flight like an hour and a half something like that maybe uh no honestly no because from pittsburgh to philadelphia which would be about a four five hour drive it's a 45 minute flight there you go so So, that's probably about right I'm, i'm guessing like anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes yeah, and it's and it's absolutely packed. This plane is absolutely full yeah, of I, people that want to go from New York City to Ithaca. I refuse to believe that there are this many people <laughs> flying from New York City to Ithaca. Yeah, it, the, the plot will thicken, by the way. If you're thinking about turning the podcast off now, this isn't the last research that I've done on this. <laughs> Back at the Diplomat Club, Kramer befriends a cowboy named Earl Hafler, who is waiting on a flight to Houston, and he is talking about how the airlines don't know what they're doing and there's going to be delays because Kramer's like, oh, wow, they know the second these planes are going to get here. And he's like, no, I bet that flight to Pittsburgh is going to take off before my flight to Houston. And they bet 200 bucks on it. Here's the ch- here's the chance to gamble that Kramer's been jonesing for over the past three years. And it's at this point when they mentioned three years, I was like, when's the last time we saw a Kramer gamble? To me, it would be the contest. That's, when what, he I, that's lost, what I would think. What was it, 100 bucks? Uh, I think so. I think that was it. And I think they made Elaine pony up 150 or something like that. So I was like, all right, when was the contest? So it was season four, episode 11, which aired November 18th, 1992. And this episode aired May 4th, 1995. Three oh, years. Oh, my God. So, so yeah, I guess yeah. I, I guess it was a, a, little, a little less than three years, right? Yeah, yeah. But if, it was, if, if something happened in 92, you'd be like, oh, it's three years. Like, yeah, give or take yeah. a few months, you yeah. know, but I'm, I'm, I'm 92 gonna, to 95, that's three years. I'm not going to say, oh, well, it was exactly two years and nine months ago. I'm going to say three years. <laughs> yeah, only only in the intro to this episode do we get that in depth as far as <laughs> days and months and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, over at the newsstand, George once again tries and fails to make a black friend. Now he's just saying hi to random guys on the street. <laughs> yeah, he's just he's just trying to befriend any black person he sees. <laughs> yeah. Uh, back at the Diplomats Club, a whole crowd has now gathered around <laughs> Kramer and Earl uh, to watch them wager. They, and they've been doing it for quite some time, too. Now they're not even on that flight from Pittsburgh to yeah. Houston. Or whatever, but did, they're talking about Seattle or, or whatever. Did you take this as like the entire Diplomats Club is watching them or that the entire Diplomats Club has also bet against like one another? There might be some side bets going on. It seems like there's some rooting going on when the result comes in. You know, people people are into the game. Mm-hmm. There's a game that started and people are into it. I don't know if there's any other money changing hands besides Earl and Kramer, but there's certainly people interested in the game. Over at Mr. Pitt's place, the estate lawyer <laughs> walks in on Elaine. Uh, Elaine comes in. And she's like, oh, Mr. Pitt, why don't you sit up? You need a pillow. And Mr. Pitt is still kind of disoriented and out of it. And, and so he... He wakes up and he goes back to sleep, but the estate lawyer walks in on Elaine, creeping up on Mr. Pitt with a pillow, um, or maybe even thinking that she has murdered Mr. Pitt because she's standing over him and Mr. Pitt is unconscious. <laughs> of course, we know that he's just fallen back asleep, but um, the, the estate lawyer thinks she's come across some sort of you know nefarious act by mm-hmm. Elaine. But, but like... What? How is Elaine holding this pillow? Like, who who sneaks over with a pillow, <laughs> carrying it in front of them with both of their hands, ready to put it over their face, and then nothing, and then doesn't? That's what it looked like, yeah. I mean, I don't know why, if he fell back asleep, like, oh, I guess, I guess he doesn't want to sit up. Maybe he does need to nap some more. Like, <laughs> no, Elaine's going to force his ass to sit up in bed. She's going to... She's going to like lift him by his hair and put that pillow behind his head, damn it. 
<laughs> like wh- why not just go oh uh, i guess i'll leave the room he want he needs his rest you know i don't know why well i know why for this funny visual gag <laughs> <laughs> that's it that, that that's the whole reason to- totally self-aware yeah. <laughs> um so yeah elaine's like this is gonna be hilarious when the estate <laughs> lawyer walks in um over at we're now in ithaca presumably because we we get an exterior shot of something that says barbazon which i thought was really weird and very specific and the nearest thing i can find is that barbazon actually is a former hotel on the Upper East Side at 140 East 63rd Street. It's still there. It's now condominiums, of course, as a lot of old hotels have been uh, on, in the nice parts of town. Um, and it used to be actually a former female-only hotel. So women that moved to the city uh, for careers, if they wanted someplace safe to stay, they could stay in this hotel uh, of female, huh. you know, only female occupants. Yeah. But it's weird that the exterior is definitely that hotel. Like, just looking uh-huh. up you know barbazon which is such a weird name i can't get over how awful of a name that is for anything barbazon i mean it sounds like a prescription drug that you wouldn't want to take <laughs> ask your doctor about barbazon so but it's weird the exterior is definitely that hotel but i guess we're supposed to be at some small club in ithaca now yeah i i've i have no idea i i'm, I'm guessing so yeah. why would they why would they make it so evidently clear that it was that it was this hotel yeah, like find a building that doesn't have its name on it. I mean, I know you back in 95, it's not like people were running to Google and like, oh, I can't wait to talk about this in my podcast. What's a podcast? <laughs> wait, what's a pod? Why would you use the word pod? Oh, well, wait, 10 years from now, there's wait, something. Never mind. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What's Google? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, oh, I mean, I'm going to go to web crawler and I'm going to find out. <laughs> I'm going to ask where, uh... Jeeves what Barbazon is. <laughs> AskJeeves.com. Barbazon. What is Barbazon? Oh, interesting. Uh, I can't wait to talk about this on my recorded radio show. <laughs> I recorded in QuickTime and then uploaded in real audio. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. These are choice 90s refs, dude. Choice 90s refs. <laughs> but I, I just found it weird, yeah, that they chose like an actual hotel or uh, condos with a, with a brand name to re- represent something in Ithaca. Katie is back jerry's ready to go on katie tells jerry that the pilot is in the audience she's like i just didn't want you to freak a lot of what katie tells jerry is some stuff that she doesn't want him to freak out about oh i didn't want you to freak out about this i don't want to you know you should go to the bathroom now i don't want you to freak out about this but um they're going to tell you what to do in case of a crash don't freak out about it and stuff like that um and jerry's like i i don't care why would you tell me that but he goes out and he is now completely thrown off. Once he catches the pilot in the audience, once he sees the pilot in the audience, he is completely thrown off. And here's another interesting, uh, a weird thing about it, too. I mean, I guess they had to do this for the timeline of the show, but he walks out, and I guess his one show is sometime in the afternoon. Good afternoon, Ithaca, yeah. is what he says when he comes out. Yeah, oh, actually, I think, <laughs> didn't he say, like, very, very early, maybe at the very beginning of the episode, wasn't his show at, like, 2 p.m.? I, I think so. I don't. I don't remember that exact timestamp, but I believe you because it's just so. I mean, they they need it to be in the middle of the day because he has to fly out in the morning and and come back the same day. But it's just weird. Who's going to one comedy show? Like, I'll give it to you. Like, if if a comic is doing an entire weekend, like there might be an early show on Friday or something like that. But Good Afternoon Ithaca, a one-off <laughs> performance in the middle of the day by Jerry Seinfeld. That sounds like the worst stand-up special on Netflix. <laughs> Jerry yeah, Jerry yeah. Seinfeld. Good afternoon, Ithaca. 
like who's in the mood for part like part of going to a comedy club is like there's a two drink minimum at a lot of them you know i mean <laughs> the, part of it is like yeah the, you're right the, but who's doing that in the middle of the day <laughs> ithaca new york apparently <laughs> ithaca new york needs it the only thing though what i'm gonna make canon for all of this is that it's like move-in day at ithaca because jerry mentions it's a college show uh, but I did not that I saw any college students in the audience when they do pan to the audience. It's all middle aged people. <laughs> maybe, but maybe that maybe it's like a move in move in day show or something. Like, hey, we've got Jerry Seinfeld coming at two p.m. and then after that, Sugar Ray. You know, <laughs> or, or that would have been closer to ninety seven, probably maybe, not ninety five. Maybe it's alumni weekend or parents weekend. Yes, alumni weekend. I, or I love both of those. Yeah, I like both of those. Because I mean, it even is, better than move-in day. Is a college student in '95 gonna go see Jerry Seinfeld at a 2 p.m. matinee? <laughs> It'd have to be very special, like unless uh, the, if they get like one comedian to come every year at that specific time slot, <laughs> and it's always a huge name. Then maybe you know, but I can't. I can't think of any other time. They're like, hey, 2 p.m. Come see a guy that's been on the Tonight Show a couple of times, Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that. I love alumni weekend. This is a perfect alumni weekend activity. Hey, it's a, and then after that, it's going to be a happy hour down at PJ Skadoo's <laughs> downtown Ithaca. <laughs> there was a bar near my college called PJ Skadoo's, by the way. That's that. That was totally why I, why I used that. I wish I could take credit for that awful, awful name, but there was an actual bar where I'm sure many alumni weekends have taken place. I thought you were just making something up because I was going to follow it up and say like, <laughs> and, and later on tonight, check out the after hour specials at Grunt's Pizza. <laughs> was that a real pizza place? Nope. I was I was just making something up because I thought you made up PJ oh. Skidoo's. <laughs> I can't take uh, credit for that awful name. <laughs> it's very real, unfortunately. Well, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's still there, but. Um, I'm not going to look it up. Uh, <laughs> out on the street, Jerry, I mean, George is rebuffed by yet another black guy. We don't even get the audio of this one. He's just like now stopping people on the street. Like this guy was still moving. At least the newsstand guy had like stopped and George was standing there uh, uh, while he completed his transaction. This guy was literally just walking down the street and George accosts him. <laughs> um, just no, no, no dialogue. Back, yeah. No dialogue at all. Yeah, we don't need it. We know what happened. Back in the theater, the Barbizon Theater, uh, Jerry is backstage. The show ended. It didn't go well. It's an understatement, it sounds like. He's very upset with Katie. Katie says she's going to go chew out the pilot. Why? <laughs> yeah, well, what, what, what is that going to do, Katie? Yeah, what did he do? Like, oh, I knew when he asked for tickets, I should have said no. Like, no, Katie, <laughs> this is all your fault because you told Jerry about it. And it and then it got stuck in his head. But it's nothing about this is the pilot's fault. Yeah, literally, he just went to a comedy show. He heard that there was a comedian on his flight, and he's like, "Oh wow, do you guys have any extra tickets? I got some downtime. I'd love to come check it out." <laughs> none of that is his fault. <laughs> yeah, not, none of this is the pilot's fault. He's not deserved to be chewed out. But Katie <laughs> goes off to do that anyway, and Jerry doesn't stop her. He's like, "Yeah, give it to him." Back at the Diplomats Club, Kramer is in the hole now, $3,200 to Earl Heffler. Yeah. And he wants one more bet, double or nothing. And he's like, let me, uh, but Earl's like, I want to see some money on the table. So Kramer's like, let me go call my bank. And who he actually calls is Newman and asks him to bring the bag. Yeah, and, and we, we don't we don't know at this point what the bag is, but I... I, I don't know what I was thinking. I, I don't know if Newman had just like a money sack 
or or like yeah. he had like a really expensive purse somehow that he stole from the mail. <laughs> that that's kind of where my mind was going. Yeah, I was thinking just a sack full of money that he had stashed away or something. Over on the plane, now we're on the flight from Ithaca back to New York City, but the pilot kicks Jerry off the flight because <laughs> it's disturbing him that he's on there, just in the same way that it disturbed Jerry that the pilot was in the audience once he found out. <laughs> to, to which Katie, who's right next to Jerry, just says, oh, I really let him have it, Jerry. Like, wh- why <laughs> yeah, did, I'm not why surprised. Did, why I really did you do that, it. Katie? Why? <laughs> Yeah, no idea. The next scene we get is at Ithaca Airport, which is still there. They still do have an airport, by the way. And at this point, they run nonstop flights to Charlotte and Dulles in D.C. But um, and also in 1994. So the the year, you know, after uh, this episode during the year after 94, 95, uh, they had just unveiled a new 11 million dollar terminal and had extended the runway. But get this. They did offer service, direct service to LaGuardia until 2012. Wow. Okay. Ithaca to LaGuardia. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Is that how you pronounce that town in Texas? What town in Texas? Oh, <laughs> are you saying, are you think Dallas? No, no, not Dallas. Uh, <laughs> I was like, no, Ted Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> no, what, what, what was, what was the other D- Dallas? What did you say? Yeah. Dallas. Where where is that? And Charlotte, Dulles is a, is one of the two airports in D.C. The other one being Reagan National. Dulles, okay. <laughs> I, yeah. I, for, for some reason, I thought that was in Texas. Oh right, right. I got you. Yeah, I said Dulles, and it, it might have sounded like Dulles and D.C., but no, I said Dulles in D.C. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, like <laughs> I, for some reason, I just thought that was pronounced like Dull or something. <laughs> Or, or like oh Dulé maybe I had no idea okay <laughs> Dulles that's that's news to me <laughs> yeah you, you you know the, the like the, the Dulles Cowboys from Texas God damn I'm stupid <laughs> yeah <laughs> the Dulles Cowboys but so so they did offer a nonstop flight to LaGuardia until 2012 so as as recent as eight years ago from the recording of this podcast which I was kind of surprised about but then they stopped that service. And I, the only, so I did find an article from the Ithaca Times or whatever the newspaper was when this, you know, switch happened. And the only reason that you'd want, I think, a nonstop flight from New York City to Ithaca is because Cornell is there. Mm, okay. Yeah. Which, of course, is, is an Ivy League yeah. school. In, in Ithaca? And in Ithaca. Yeah. And so there, there was a student who was like, oh, every time I'm on a, the, that flight, it's always packed. So I can't believe they're ending it. Um, you know, even off peak times, you know, I'm flying and that, and that flight is packed. So, but, but not enough to keep it going, uh, because it ended a long time ago. Um, but, uh, but I like this too, cause at Ithaca airport, Katie asks Jerry whether he would like the eight or the eight thirty flight. So not only is there direct service to LaGuardia, but it leaves every half hour. <laughs> <laughs> Good there, Lord. There's so many people flying back and forth between Ithaca <laughs> And LaGuardia, <laughs> that not only they have direct flights, they have direct flights leaving every half hour. <laughs> yeah. I do want to point out that, you know, this is interesting because in the last episode, we were at a medical school that is part of Cornell. That um, So that's one reason, I guess, you'd also want a flight from New York City to, you know, where Cornell is because there's that medical school there. But they, And they offer a bus service as well that goes back and forth, but but not enough for a direct flight. 
Uh, certainly not a direct flight every half hour. I've got to get to Ithaca immediately. When's the next plane leave? Oh, in a half hour, as always. Good. Good. <laughs> but it's not 8 or 8.30 at night. It's 8 or 8.30 the next morning. And so Jerry tells Katie to rent a car and stop bothering me with every minor detail, by the way, he throws in. And this is where Katie's like, you know, because now Jerry has kind of laid into Katie and she's like kind of rolls her eyes like, oh, I guess you're a big celebrity. <laughs> she's been treating him that way the whole time. And the second that he starts acting and, and he's not in the wrong either. But the second he starts acting like it, she's like, oh, boy, this guy's too big for his britches. <laughs> But Jerry calls George on the payphone to go to the Diplomat Club and let Bridget know that he's going to be late, but he will be there eventually. George asks Jerry about the exterminator that came to see him a couple episodes ago simply because he's black. And Jerry's like, oh, no, don't tell me. And George's like, all right, see you later, and hangs up before Jerry can get uh, any message out about the Diplomats Club. Uh, so Jerry calls Elaine, who is at Pitts, and she's reading Fatal Vision, are you familiar with this book? I'm not. I remember the cover big time. It's got like a green beret on it. I'll write it down uh, for next time because obviously it's it's about, I guess, probably a murder or, or something because the fact that she's reading it gets a big laugh. It's another big uh, sight gag of another big visual gag for the audience. But so she's she's in the middle of reading Fatal Vision when uh, and I, I, dis- I definitely remember this cover like being around like my mom read it or something like that back <laughs> in the day. Um, and the lawyer you know, says that Jerry Seinfeld's on the phone for her. She overhears uh, a freaked out conversation uh, about something about the airport and Elaine saying, I'll take care of it. Don't worry. I'll take care of it and, and stuff like that. And and this, again, alarms the estate lawyer into into being suspicious of, of Elaine. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing she she thinks that Elaine's talking about offing Mr. Pitt. Yeah, definitely something like that. Yeah. Over back over the Diplomats Club, Newman shows up with David Berkowitz's bag, a.k.a. the son of Sam, uh, a, a prolific serial killer, of course. A few items to continue. What in the world? My phone just started <laughs> talking. Um, do not Google son of Sam. Oh, okay. Um, Newman took over his route when I guess he was captured. And they do make a pretty like funny, sick joke here about, like, they got to say there's a lot of dogs on that route. And Earl says, oh, any of them talking to you? And... You know, uh, uh, Newman says, only lay off the snacks, and they all have a big laugh. Of course, the joke about Son of Sam is that he was taking orders from his dog or something like that to kill oh. all these people. Are you familiar with that story? Nope. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was just, like, killing dogs or something. I thought he was, like, abducting dogs, and then, like, that that turned into people. I, I had no idea that he was taking orders from his no, dog. I guess, yeah, I guess his dog talked to him or something like that. Oh, cool. Um, and... So the double or nothing bet is going to be Ithaca versus Boston when the flight comes in. And Earl takes and Ithaca. I guess, yeah, Earl takes Ithaca, which, by the way, is a great thing to point out for later that he did that. In the car, as Jerry and, and Katie are driving, Katie's driving, Jerry's asleep, but he wakes up and Katie is completely lost. He's like, are we even on a road? And Katie's <laughs> like, oh, we lost the road about a half hour ago. <laughs> And he's like, why didn't you wake me? And she's like, oh, I didn't want to bother you with a minor detail. He's like, no road is a major detail. Yeah, that, that's a pretty, pretty big detail there, Katie. My guess is that this was Katie's way of getting back at him for yelling at her. I think this was done on purpose. Like, oh, he's sleeping. You know what? I'm not going to wake him up. I'm going to get us totally lost. Maybe getting lost wasn't, you know, wasn't in the cards, but certainly not waking him up when you but, get lost but like, was something where... 
But like once Jerry's away, she's even like, should should I keep going or turn around? Do you have a preference? I'm like, just a make a decision. Yeah. yeah. And they end up crashing into something, uh, you know, because she takes her eyes off the road and Jerry's like, look out. Uh, over at Yankee Stadium, Carl, the exterminator, shows up. And I'm glad this guy showed back up because you might remember from that episode. I really like this guy uh, as an actor. <laughs> also, um, just the name and, Carl, the exterminator, kicks ass. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, uh, he, he doesn't remember George. He's like, uh, no. have we met? And George's like, yeah, I remember I talked to you for a second when you were at Jerry Seinfeld's apartment. He's like, Jerry, he's like, Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, yeah, funny white guy, right? And George is like, oh, um, I guess he is. <laughs> and he pulls another great uh, woke liberal moment saying, you know, I don't really see color Ugh. when it comes to people or whatever he says. <laughs> God. Yeah. Uh, another great, yeah, uh, along with Black Friends, the I Don't See Color um, line we get from George. He, he covers all the all the greatest hits. Um, <laughs> and Mr. Morgan isn't in. George, Jerry's go- uh, George is going to, like, just happen to introduce them. Oh, you know who would, who would get a kick out of meeting you is Mr. Morgan. Um, but he's not in. He's at dinner. And George is like, uh, Carl, you hungry? Over at Mr. Pitts, uh, he and the estate lawyer are watching a TV news report about a car that was traveling from Ithaca that ended up in a pool. That's where Katie crashed. She crashed into a pool in someone's backyard. They're interviewing Jerry Seinfeld, and he runs away from the the cameras, uh, the lights. And he's like, he doesn't want to talk to anybody. But Pitt recognizes Jerry as the guy that gave him the advice on the cold medicine and mixing it with heart medicine being okay. And the lawyer recognizes the name Seinfeld as the person who called and asked for Elaine that she was talking to about freaking out and getting to the airport and stuff like that. Over at the restaurant, George shows up with Carl and tells him to pretend we're friends. And they run into Mr. Morgan, you know, quote unquote, by chance. And he's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm the exterminator. And George's like, yep, that's what we called him in high school. He was a linebacker. So we <laughs> called him the exterminator. <laughs> And over at LaGuardia, Earl is paying up 6400 bucks, I'd imagine, uh, because Kramer won the bet when Ithaca was delayed and Boston came in first. Elaine comes in, and she says that, uh, you know, Jerry's plane got delayed, and, and Earl's like, what's this about the plane being delayed in Ithaca? She's like, oh, our friend, you know, got the plane delayed over an hour, and Earl accuses Kramer of cheating and hustling him and rips up the traveler's checks that he was giving him, which seems unnecessary, because... Yeah. You don't make traveler's checks out to anyone specific, right? No, I don't. Or do you? I've never used them. I don't think so. Um, but but like <laughs> like you mentioned a, a couple of minutes ago, important to note out that Earl was the one who picked Ithaca. Kramer didn't choose first because if Kramer was going to cheat, it would have to be him choosing the one that he knows is going to win. Yeah, bingo. Unless unless Earl thinks, because Earl does say you hustled me. I mean, that's like some next level mind games like, to n- like work yourself into a $3,200 <laughs> hole only to like, you know, make the guy pick the one that you know is going to lose. I mean, if, if Kramer is capable of those mental gymnastics. Yeah. Like, no, Earl, you played yourself. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> you played yourself. <laughs> and it's at that point that Bridget enters and starts looking around, or, or who we presume is is Bridget. She's a very attractive woman. Yeah, enters the uh, which enters I, the diplomats club. I thought this was Denise Richards at first. It's it's clearly not. Uh, given given like the scene after this, at least I think. Um, but did did you also kind of see this resemblance? I it one I didn't notice. This, no, I suppose if I went back and looked with that eye, I was trying to just see if it was somebody. 
like that we should have known, like if it was an actual supermodel or something like that. But um, I, I'd imagine if I went back and looked, I'd probably see that resemblance. Um, but it'd be interesting because Denise Richards, of course, played Mr. Dalrymple's uh, Russell Dalrymple's daughter in That's the episode right. where they get caught looking at her cleavage. Yeah. But I mean, we've we've seen people reprise different roles or play different roles, yeah. I should say. Tons of times, tons of times. Over at Pitts. They're accusing Elaine of getting Jerry to poison Mr. Pitt, and Mr. Pitt ends up firing Elaine from the job that she was going to quit at the beginning of this episode anyway, but now she's actually like choked up and, and is remembering all of the great times with Mr. Pitt uh, <laughs> over an instrumental track, uh, instrumental version of The Way We Were. <laughs> one, thing I'm, one thing I'm glad they included, there aren't a ton of Mr. Pitt episodes, so it was kind of funny that she's flashing back to like, like different scenes in one or two episodes um but one of the ones i liked is next stop pottersville when he's doing his funny little dance to next stop pottersville <laughs> next stop pottersville uh, All- that's, that's one of my favorite moments of seinfeld ever also weird is she's flashing back these great memories of her and mr pitt are scenes where mr pitt was alone like in the parade yeah. or whatever he looks like hitler yeah like, yeah yeah Al- several Al- times that she wasn't yeah. present for yeah. it. elaine wasn't there she wouldn't have a memory of that <laughs> very true uh, back at the diplomat club jerry runs in i mean he's got a five o'clock shadow he's all disheveled his hair is a mess but bridget is still there the diplomats club is basically empty and she's like well my plane doesn't leave for another half an hour so they run into what looks like some kind of conference room and they're feverishly making out right next to a big window meanwhile a plane is taxiing outside and jerry sees over a bridget's shoulder that the pilot <laughs> is there staring at him, making out with her. And once again, it throws Jerry off. Mm-hmm. Which I've never seen like a giant room with a, a giant window like this looking out onto the tarmac. Yeah, it does seem oddly placed, <laughs> especially like that plane was like deathly close. That plane's wings are like <laughs> brushing against a part of that building we can't see. <laughs> <laughs> it's very it's much too close like yeah that that plane is going into the side of LaGuardia <laughs> yeah definitely at the restaurant Carl is uh you know they're, they're eating with Mr. Morgan and I guess it's going pretty well until Carl says uh yeah I, I come here all the time you wouldn't believe the rat problem in the kitchen which <laughs> makes George spit out his food But Mr. Morgan is like, oh, so you are an exterminator and (laughs) accuses George of sinking to a new low and he storms out. It's at that point that George asks for the check and uh, then a a waiter who happens to be black comes out and says, hey, Sugar Ray Leonard can eat here on the house. And George is like, thank you and like runs out to go get (laughs) Mr. Morgan, presumably to bring him back in and say that somebody else thinks to look like Sugar Ray Leonard. And that is where the episode ends. Uh, okay, holy scene changes, Batman. We had so I know. many in this episode. I, I I can't even go back and count them all. But did we have any homework in this episode? Yeah, well, look up what happened in Great Neck that Jerry might have been referencing uh, in comparison to Selma. We'll uh, do a little dive on Dwayne Reed or Reedy and figure out uh, just if they do, if they are outside of the five boroughs at all. Um, we'll find out what Fatal Vision is about, the book Fatal Vision. And I, oh, I, I was going to write down, was I going to write down Son of Sam? Nah, should I? Eh. Maybe we'll do a little. I'll write it down. All right. <laughs> we might not need to, but maybe just about the dog thing. Maybe, maybe just in relation to dogs. Just about the dogs. That's it. 
Yeah, yeah. All right, so what do we want to do for cover art this week? Ooh, great, good question. Do you have any options? I I don't have anything in mind. Should we do um, maybe? Should it be Jerry? Maybe Jerry and Katie like mid crash. Something with something with Jerry and Katie. Ooh, maybe or maybe Jerry on the news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's not bad. I like that. Hmm. Or or Jerry and Katie on the plane as Jerry's like getting frustrated, like as Katie's trying to explain yeah. going to the bathroom. All these are great options. Yeah. All right. I, I feel like it's got to be something with Jerry and Katie though. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even Jerry and Katie backstage when she's telling him about the pilot. You know, there there might be a good <laughs> shot there. Uh, okay, so let's see if we can come up with a better description. So we had Jerry's plans to meet a gorgeous model for an airport rendezvous are derailed. I mean, that's that's true. It almost is has nothing. It's almost like just the catalyst of the whole thing. Um, but I think that's why I like it. it. Has nothing to do with the rest of the episode. It's just like it starts at point A, and then the middle is like just a a. a a spaghetti dinner of intersecting plot lines and random adventures. And then it does end with him meeting up with the model. Um, so I, I, I don't think I'd add anything to it. Does it, does it give, does it give too much away? Do you think? I don't think it gives enough away, but I think that's what I like about it. What, what do you okay. think gives too much that it's derailed that he's not going to, Maybe, I think that's fine. Maybe. Okay. That's really the only action word in there. That's true. If you think that's fine, I, I think it's fine. Because, I mean, he does, like, like you said, end up uh, hooking up with Bridget again. Yeah, it wasn't the initial plan. He wasn't going to spend like six hours with her or something, but instead he gets 30 a minutes. quickie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's unzip Newman's mail sack. Yeah. Okay. Today we have a message from Elio Canella. Elio writes us, Hello, just started binge listening the No Hugging, No Learning podcast. Already caught all the way up, somewhat. Just started season six, and I love this podcast, but like other listeners, whenever you miss something, I'm here yelling at my iPad. LOL, no, not really, but you guys are fun to listen to. And Ted's already my new best friend because he's a wrestling fan, and I host a wrestling podcast, so it all evens out. Question, I know it's right. still early, we don't know what's going to happen, but something one of you guys said was about what you were going to do once Seinfeld is done, and you had mentioned Curb Your Enthusiasm. I would definitely tune in for that, because I've seen every season except 10 and 11 need to get on that. Keep up the great work, Elio, sent from my iPad. Nice, uh, I think that is the logical next step, because it does seem, you know, at least a spiritual sequel to Seinfeld. I mean, it, it's just basically, you know, the same, like, let's really break down the minutia of everyday life and, and find interesting observations. So, uh, yeah, I'm all for that. And I'm actually in the same boat. So it would be interesting to catch up to seasons that I hadn't even seen yet. You know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, again, I've seen, I, I have seen more of Curb than I ever had of Seinfeld before starting this show. I, I've seen like three or four episodes of Curb. And it, it, it is funny. It's a very funny show, but I've not seen nearly enough to like have an opinion on the entire show, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, the, the only difference is that Seinfeld was like, you know, it's like in the pantheon of great sitcoms appreciated and have been watched by everybody. Or that's what I thought, you know, before we started this podcast that like everybody had seen, <laughs> you know, um, but certainly every anybody that grew up in the 90s or was, you know, mentally with it in the 90s as you know uh you know not not to say anything about you as a two-year-old ted but but that's the only difference is that like curb 
is not part of the zeitgeist, if I could bring up that term again. You know, it's like because it was on HBO, but even there's our H, those there are HBO shows that have transcended it where like the Sopranos, for instance, that's something that even people who didn't have HBO went back and caught up with somehow on DVD. But but Curb just sort of like continued Seinfeld's, you know, um, point of view. But it, I would venture to say you'd find more people who haven't seen Curb than more people that haven't seen Seinfeld. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it isn't the cultural phenomenon that Seinfeld is. True, and I, I think part of that has got to come to it being on premium cable. Do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I was saying, you know, I mean it because everybody had NBC. You could get it, you know, no matter what. But with HBO, it, you really had to go out of your way. Like so, if it, like Sopranos. That is a that was a cultural phenomenon for whatever for whatever reason, even though it was on, you know, prime time because it, it it probably won some awards and stuff too. And I don't know if Curb has ever done that. Mm, okay, um, but that makes people take notice as well. But it's just not it's just not as big a an event in pop culture as Seinfeld was. But I don't know if we're gonna find the only other thing we could watch is like Friends or The Office or ER. Or oh, God. Grey's Anatomy or something you know, like that. You know, or Law after, and Order. You know, you after know? this, we're just going to become a Shondaland podcast. <laughs> I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> Most of those ideas are good, but I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> we, we, we put out three episodes. How many shows does she have? God. It's what? Grey's, Murder, and uh, Scandal, right? Those are, are those all three hers? I think. Uh, did, I think she also does ER. Was she, did, was she on ER? I don't know, or maybe 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 she did just do Grays. Um, I'm not sure, but you know we're gonna do episodes Monday, Wednesday, and Friday uh, every single week. <laughs> uh, we're gonna do Grays Monday. We're gonna do Scandal Wednesday, and we're gonna do uh, what was the other one? Murder She Wrote. How to get away with murder? How to, how no, to, how get... to get away with murder? <laughs> you know, Murder She Wrote. That, that, that classic Shonda Rhimes show. Now, in addition to Grey's, Behind the Paywall is going to be our episodes about the Grey's spinoff, Private Practice. Ooh, okay. Also, in Newman's Mail Sack, we had a submission from John Mara, who, Tim, I don't know if you still have the login for the email, but John Mara sent us a clip of a full-length original episode of Seinfeld performed by the Upright Citizens Brigade. Whoa! Oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> it's called. Is it like live on stage or it, what? It looks like it's live on stage. Called the Leaning Susan. Uh, the show features uncanny portrayals of the central characters, '90s commercial parodies, and original Seinfeld stand-up. Even Susan is back. Yes, that Susan. I don't. I don't know who that's referring to. Do you? Yeah, we've met uh, Susan. She uh, was we? a DNBC executive that George began a relationship. Oh with. Oh my god! Okay, I I just totally yeah. forgot her name. All right. But yeah, I mean, it's this is awesome. I'm looking it up now. I did not know this existed, but it's on YouTube and it's a full 30 minutes, like you said. Yeah, I I think we might have to watch this. Maybe we can. Uh, maybe we'll do some like extra review of this or something. If if we have time, we're probably that not going to have time. I do want to watch it. This will give me a good fix for like you know when I when I want to watch something. Um, <laughs> you know, because I I don't watch any extracurricular Seinfeld, but this. This doesn't count. So that's true. This is awesome. This is this is just fan made content. <laughs> yeah, fanfic. All right, awesome. Th- thank you to John Mara uh, for sending this, sending that in. Thanks, Elio, for writing us. Uh, do we have anything else? Oh wait, we got a Zip Newman's mail sack so. backup. Oh yeah. Zip. 
All right. Well, now that we have zipped Newman's mail sack back up and we definitely didn't drop that sound in, uh, do we have anything <laughs> Anything else? Uh, I don't think so. So next week, we've got Season 6, Episode 22, The Face Painter, original air date, May 11th, 1995. And if you're looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see Elaine's boyfriend's behavior at a hockey game appalls her and Jerry. I think, I hope this is going to be a, a, an episode that I star because I know it's another putty episode. <laughs> I know that it's a beloved episode and, and hilarious and, is, and gives us lots of more great Hall of Fame Seinfeld moments. So we'll see if it holds up. They usually do, but uh, I'm, I'm predicting a good one for, <laughs> for next week uh, as we come to the end of season six. So is that it? That's it. All right. For No Hugging No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hallwell. Be good. Be good.